Hi everyone, welcome back to Say You Want To Be A Vet, the podcast series where we bring you honest and open discussions about life as a veterinary student and share the inspiring and motivating experiences of vets from all across the industry, from their vet school journey and beyond. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can follow us on social media at Say You Want To Be A Vet, where we will be sharing behind the scenes clips, doing live Q&As and so much more. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel of the same name, where we upload regular videos such as CV and personal statement writing tutorials, interview skills, and so much more that will help you build a strong application to that school. Hi everyone and welcome back to So You Want To Be A Vet. Today we are joined with Dr Rhea Little-Hales. How are you today? Good, thank you very much. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. And it's a pleasure to have you on our podcast. Um, so if you wouldn't mind just giving us, to start with, a bit of background as to who you are, what job you do, where you went to university, just so we sort of get a bit of a feel for who you are. Yeah, sure. So my name's Rhianne Little-Hales. I come from um, Barry Island, which is the home of Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> lots of people always laugh when they hear that. I'm married to somebody called Bryn. Lots of people always laugh when they hear that as well. Um, so I've always lived here. I've never lived anywhere else apart from when I was at university in Langford in Bristol. I uh, currently work for Medivet. And we are one of the fastest growing small animal practice groups in Britain. So I am a small animal vet. Um, it's not always what I wanted to be, but I've, here I am. And I currently um, have the role of what we call head of clinical operations, which is quite an interesting and really varied role. So um, I look after and support about 200 practices across the company and the country. And the roles really diverse so sometimes we might be planning CPD with vets sometimes we'll be looking at how we can invest in practices so that we can upskill the vets and upskill uh, offer more services to our clients and their pets so we often look at things like CT scanners and ultrasounds we look at ways we can grow the practices and new services we can offer and also how we can grow our vets and, and develop our people as well so it's a really interesting role but a slightly different role than the role I started out doing. Yeah absolutely I feel like again when you're applying to vet school you sort of have in your mind oh when you're a vet you're going to go into practice it's going to be cats and dogs all day long and so this is really quite different and um, is that something you ever envisioned yourself doing um, whilst you were at vet school perhaps I don't know did you ever sort of have a bit of a feeling that perhaps a purely um, clinical role um, wasn't for you? Not at all so it's just the way that um, I think life has brought me so when I went to vet school actually before I went to vet school I'd be working in the same practice for a long long time since I was about 14 as a Saturday girl after I went for work experience and then really confirmed that I wanted to be a vet and when I went off to university I stayed at that practice I did lots of EMS there and when I finished university the plan was to basically go back to that practice work as a vet and hopefully ultimately own the practice myself buy the practice and the, the existing partner out things didn't quite happened to plan and the practice was sold to um, another one of the large corporate groups 
And at the time, I was really, really devastated. I can remember feeling like my world had ended and my whole career and all my dreams had been shattered. Uh, but it was actually my mum that told me, come on, pull yourself together and have a bit of girl power because I was a big Spice Girls fan back in the day. <laughs> um, and actually, I really, really enjoyed working for the large group. Uh, I started off just working with that one practice that I'd been at for a long, long time and then took on another practice um, as a lead vet and then took on another practice and became a clinical director until the end I had about five or six practices that I was supporting in the area. And then all of a sudden um, I, I was approached by Medivet who were looking for what they call a regional director, so someone to support the practices across a bigger region. So in, in this case, it was Wales and Dorset. Um, and I was really unsure what to do because I really love clinical, I still love clinical work, but I really loved clinical work, but it was a really different opportunity and probably an opportunity that wouldn't come again. So I thought, oh, I'll take the risk and, and try it. And actually I really, really enjoyed it. And I really love working with uh, nurses and practice teams and vets and I spend all of my day supporting vets and nurses and practice teams and spending time in lots of different practices so it's really interesting but not where I thought I would be at all. That sounds absolutely amazing and I, I loved what you were saying at the start there about how you know it didn't quite work out how you may have initially thought and at one point you thought you know it, were, it was the end of your career and you wasn't going to get to where you wanted to and I think that's something that our listeners can really take on board because I think at the time certain setbacks can seem so major and it can really seem like the end of the world and like you know like you don't have any other options and you're not going to sort of get to where you wanted to go but when you sort of look back on things or, or try to look at the bigger picture it just opens up so many different opportunities that you perhaps never even knew existed um, so I think that's something that is sort of really inspiring for our listeners, potentially if, you know, things aren't working out as they want to. It's so important to never give up and to keep trying with, you know, just persevere through and you'll end up somewhere that you do really want to be. Um, so you mentioned at the start how um, you was doing work experience from like 14 um, and that sounds really young. So where did your passion for wanting to be a vet come from? What made you decide to start pursuing work experience and, and want to be a vet? So I'm the first vet in my family. Um, I'm one of the only people who was really very interested in science in my family. My dad worked in a factory and my mum was a religious education teacher. So um, although my dad was quite interested in science, he wasn't really quite academic. He was very practical. And I know that they always say that you shouldn't put it on a vet school application, but I do really love animals and I've always liked working with animals. And I know, you know, it's always advised that you should focus on different things you should put on your applications. But I think most of us apply because we do really enjoy um, learning all about animals. And um, my mum always says she was very lucky because she's got two children and both of them always knew what they wanted to do and right from the time that I was three I always wanted to be a vet and never wanted to do anything else and uh, I just was so focused on that and I knew that I was going to have to do a lot of work experience and I was lucky enough that well we had animals lots of animals at home and so I spent a lot of time in the vets with my mum and I remember just one day taking a chance and asking if they'd like some or if they would allow somebody to just come in 
and spend some weekends with them or some evenings with them. And I was really lucky to, to be allowed to go and see. And I just did everything I could. Just, I'd mop the floors if I saw they were dirty. I'd make cups of tea when people were, were you know, really, really busy and stretched. I'd answer the phone. Sometimes I wouldn't know what kind of query I was fielding, but I could answer and say, please hold the line. I'll get somebody for you. And it was just by spending time in the vets and seeing what the vets do and how dedicated they are and all the hard work that they do and asking questions, loads and loads of silly questions. I think I used to drive some of these vets crackers because I just asked hundreds and hundreds of questions. I think that's when I realised that it's all I ever really wanted to do. And my parents used to say to me, think of something else, just in case it doesn't work out, think of something else. And I, I really couldn't think of anything else. So I was, I was always pretty determined. <laughs> That's so lovely. I feel like a lot, a lot of people that apply to vet school sort of fell into it in a similar way. Sort of, they knew what they wanted when they were younger, um, had that love for animals, and then just kind of stuck to it. Um, and yeah, again, I, I, I can remember my parents saying to me, like, "Oh, have a plan B just in case." Because getting into vet school yeah. is so hard. Like, we've got to be realistic. And it was so like I was like, "No, I'm not going to." And even though it's really good to do that, it can be quite difficult. Um, so then where did that take you all of that work experience what what vet schools did you apply to and I know you mentioned the Langford campus and so I assume you went to Bristol um yeah what was that like oh Bristol was absolutely fantastic I really really loved it and I would do university again in a heartbeat I had just the best time I also applied for RVC for Nottingham for Cambridge I'm trying to think where my other application was for now Liverpool. Um, I was rejected straight away by Liverpool, literally straight away, which I remember, you know, just crying about and being really, really upset. Um, I went for interview at Cambridge and just realised that it wasn't for me. It wasn't the, the place that I was looking for. I also went for interview at Nottingham, um, really loved Nottingham. At that time, it was brand, brand new and they hadn't taken on any students. Um, so it was absolutely beautiful. I got my offer from Bristol, which is just over the water from Barry Island. So it just seemed to suit me really well. It was far enough from home to say that I was away from home, but close enough from, uh, from home to come back on a weekend or even an evening if I really, really wanted to. And I'd always really liked the city, um, quite creative, really, as well as being interested. I'm not very very good at being artistic but I appreciate arty stuff and Bristol's Bristol's quite packed full of arts and creative things so that was really really nice as well I lived with um in my first three years I actually lived with quite a few non-vets which was quite nice because it meant that when you got home you were actually talking about something a little bit different from just the vet course which can be a, quite intense but then in the final two years I lived with some of my friends who are my who are who are vets now and actually they've remained really really close friends and one of them was bridesmaid at my wedding I would still work with a couple of them now we're really really close still yeah I completely agree with you vet school is just the the best time and I think you know everybody always says university years are the best of your life and I think that's just taken to a whole other level when you're at vet school because you just form that that bond with everybody because you know you all have this sort of similar and like common um you've, you've all got this thing in common and it just brings you all so close together and you know you get to go out on placement together um and it's sort of just it, it's such an incredible experience um 
And I just want to pick up on you, what you were saying about um, your rejection from Liverpool, because I think it, it's coming up to that time now where people will be having offers sent out or unfortunately, if they have rejections sent out. And I think it's so important to remember that vet school is so hard to get into and yeah. not to let that get you down. Because, you know, like you, you can be such an amazing vet and be so successful in your career, even with rejections um and to not let that set you back and to not let that sort of get you down because you can still be so successful with that um so moving on from your time from vet school did you always know going through that that you wanted to be a small animal vet or did um did you sort of change your mind along the way so at vet school we do a lot of placements and we spent a lot of time and equine um units with horses and farm animal placements and I was pretty sure pretty quickly that I did not want to be an equine vet it just didn't suit me I really liked working with horses but it just wasn't what I was looking for um not a particularly horsey person haven't really been brought up with them whereas a lot of people on our course were were naturally you know being brought up with horses however there are quite a few um equine vets that I know that really weren't horsey at all when they, they applied to vet school so it can certainly be done um, but I did realize while I was at vet school that I really enjoyed farm work and I actually um, really thought for a, a good while that I would continue doing some form of farm work and it is just the pathway that life has taken me um, but I have maintained kind of a little bit of contact with the farm world in the sense that I I'm part of the BVA Council, the British Veterinary Association Council. And that's a group, um, almost like a bit of a union for vets. And I do still hear about what's going on in the farm world, which is really quite inspiring to hear the knowledge of my colleagues as well. So it isn't where I thought I'd be. I thought I'd still be doing some farm work, but I try and get involved if I can. I still try and you know like I said I read about what my colleagues are talking about on the BVA forums and I still go to all the agricultural shows and country fairs and have a chat with the farmers which was probably the bit I like doing the most having a chat with the farmers um but yeah I just small animal the practice just fell into place for me really but I did think farm animal would be the best um and just picking up on what you were saying about with exam results I actually did better in my farm animal exams at uni than I did in my small animal exams but I remember when I was in sixth form thinking that my A-level results were absolutely everything and that the world kind of pinned on my A-level results and then when you get to vet school almost they're forgotten and then your exams at vet school are your next big set of results and you know the world pins on them and I did have friends at vet school who failed exams several times but when you are actually a vet, nobody really cares how many times you sat an exam or if you had to fail or reset. As long as you did qualify in the end, that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's something like that's really hard because at A level, you're striving for what your free A's to get in. And that, <laughs> that is your goal. And you have to get those 80, 90 percent to be able to get those grades and get in. And then all of a sudden you get to vet school and the goal changes and it's 50% to pass and you could get 51% and be just as much as a vet as somebody that got 70%, you know? And again, we've been talking about this this week because um, our dissertation results came out and um, 
like a lot of my friends that sort of perhaps didn't get a first were sort of quite upset and we were just sort of saying and she when do you ever get asked what you got you don't really (laughs) yeah you don't um (laughs) when you ever go on placement and you hear a vet say oh yeah I got a first or I got two one it's like it's just another stepping stone to get to where you need to be so again for anybody listening that perhaps isn't quite happy with their exam results as long as they get you to the next place or as long as they you you can use them to get you in the right direction even if it's not your plan a pathway and it's your plan b pathway whether that's doing bio vet or anything like that you can still get there and so yeah I really I I think it's really important that um you highlighted that um and again I feel like um at vet school it's you can find it so I want to be a small animal vet as well and I find um because I put so much pressure on trying to remember all of that I try I actually do better in like my equine and my farm animal exam and it works in such a weird way but um yeah so how when you came out into um into the big veterinary world then on graduation um what was life like as a new grad vet working in a practice what was that like for you so it was it was quite different to what it's probably like for our graduates now. Um, so I graduated you know ten years ago, and it was very rare to find kind of a graduate scheme of things that are quite commonplace now. Most new grads now can qualify and go into practices where they have like a really supportive structure and um, you're not left on your own. And there's lots of cool courses that you can go on, surgery and medicine courses. That was really unheard of when I qualified and I remember my first week in practice going into the clinic my boss had gone on holiday um so it really was terrifying absolutely terrifying but pretty exciting as well and what I will say I was very very lucky with was that I'd spent so much time in the practice so even if it was a case that maybe I wasn't quite sure what to do I'd seen somebody else do it before and I could say right I think I know what this vet would do but also I worked with the most fantastic amazing beautiful team of nurses who could point me in the right direction could tell me if I was doing things right if I could be thinking in another way so it was it was pretty scary um, but pretty exciting and it was a bit like learning to to drive in the sense that you had all that education at vet school you had all the knowledge you knew everything it wasn't until you were actually out in the clinics doing it until it became a reality and you actually really learned what was going on and then um, it's the same sort of thing with learning to drive isn't it it's not until you drive that car on your own that you really learn how to drive a car um it it was just really fantastic and I look back on actually my new grad years with a real fondness and the other thing is, you know, uh, there are cases that didn't go so well. There are cases that went really well. And um, I think one thing that I know now is that when I do get a new grad, I can really share my experience with them as well. And I've usually got a funny story to tell them or something that happened. Um, so, yeah, it was a really happy time. That's so lovely. I think, again, that's such like an important thing when you graduate you don't really want to feel like you're on your own and um it sounds like you had a really lovely support network there who sort of like were able to help you and sort of facilitated that growth for you which um is brilliant really um particularly as I suppose you you knew everybody and so you were going into a comfortable environment um 
I think now, um, like you say, Medivet, you hear a lot of um, at vet school about Medivet, you've coming in to do sort of talks um, about their new graduate schemes and things like that. So how would you say um, perhaps doing something if, if, if we were to graduate now, um, how would doing a new grad scheme be slightly different to um, your experience? So they are, you know, our new grad scheme is really, really supportive and you're not left on your own in those those first six months, whereas, like, you know, I can honestly say on my day one, my boss went on holiday and I was, I was left to survive in that practice. Um, so it they are really supportive. And we also have um, a set programme of courses that our new graduates can attend. So there's surgery, there's medicine, there's also even sort of communications training and things like that as well that are all done in a small group and you get to know the other people in your small group. So you've got another contact within your group that, um, you know, you can share ideas with, you can talk about your experiences with, because it is really important, like you said, to have somebody to talk to in those first few years. Um, we've also got the VAT GDP advisor now, which is a, a new scheme that has been brought in where practices have to have a mentor, a qualified mentor in practice to look after new graduates. Um, and that's been a really, really positive move as well to make sure new graduates are supported. And the other thing that we try and do as part of our new graduate scheme is to chat to new grads about what they want at the end of their first year you know what has their first year taught them what career do they want to follow um, from here and can we help them do that do they want to become academic do they want to become a branch partner and own their own clinic do they want to lead, go into a management role how can we support them to get there over their next few years in in with us that sounds absolutely amazing and it's I think you know as a uni student it's so reassuring to know that there's so much support available to you when you do qualify and that you're sort of not just thrown out into the the big veterinary world like it was when you qualified and sort of just left yeah. to you know deal with things and, and navigate your way through um there's so much different support and mentorship available with medivet so that sounds like an amazing opportunity um so for anybody that's out who might be thinking um you know i want to own my own practice one day or about anybody else but I know that I have always been asked or, or people say to me a lot oh you know do you want to own your, mm-hmm. own your own practice one day or you know that's something that I think quite a lot of my non-betty friends say to me um for the people who may be sat there thinking you know it's it's not very realistic for them because they don't know much about business or we're not taught enough about business for them to be able to do that and that kind of thing do you think it is something that is realistic for vets to be able to own their own practices based off of how much sort of business knowledge and teaching we're given? So I absolutely think it is possible for um, vets to own their own practice. And part of the reason that I love the company that I work for now is because at Medivet, we make it possible for pretty much all vets to be able to own their own practice. One of the big problems with practice ownership is that initial outlay of money that it costs and certainly like I said at the start my my mum was a teacher my dad worked in a factory there was no way that I had that kind of money to hand to start my own practice 
but with Madivat, you can own a percentage of the equity in the practice and we will support you with a loan and we will help you with a loan and sourcing that loan. And with regards to the business knowledge, that's actually what we have our team of regional directors for. So all of our regional directors are vets, which is also really great because they know about clinical practice. They know the challenges that vets face every day. And they provide that business support to our vets. And it really is for our vets in our company as much or as little as you want to get involved in the business side of things. So there's lots of people who come branch partners and own a part of their practice that say, I don't want to do any of the business side of it. I just want to come to work and be a vet and go home at the end of the day. And that's fine. They can work with their area teams um, to work like that. Um, but then we have other vets who say, no, I want to own my own practice and I want to be involved with my team and I, I want to do everything that a business owner will do. And our regional directors and area managers will really, really help them to develop those skills and support them in growing those skills as well. We'll support them in CPD and also in lots of coaching as well. And it's also that our um, area managers are all qualified nurses or experienced practice managers. So again, they all know what it's like to be in practice, which is great. And exactly, I think, what you need from somebody who's managing or helping out with a group of, of vets and nurses. A hundred percent. I definitely think you need people that understand what it's like to be a vet and um, have had that experience themselves and know what your needs are and things like that. And perhaps if you're going to own your own practice and you, you sort of do it in a slightly different way, if you do have the money, um, perhaps you might you might feel a little bit alone. You don't have that kind of support and guidance from people that have sort of been there and done it and know what you need to thrive really. Um, and so that's really good. I think a lot of our listeners, um, the sorts of things that are on the telly and in books and in the media are vets that own their own practice. Like you have the super vet, um, he has his own practice. You read about James Herrier and he has his. And so it's natural for applying students to sort of be like, oh, well, maybe that's something I want to do one day. But um, how would I actually go about doing that? And so it's really lovely to hear again, that it's sort of even for me as somebody who sort of thought, oh, maybe that would be a possibility one day. And then I sort of thought, oh, where would I find the money? That that's that's really lovely to hear and quite reassuring sort of is a nice reminder that um if you do have those goals then they are achievable um Absolutely. yeah and so that's really really lovely um what advice then would you sort of give um applying students at the moment I know you sort of touched on a few things here and there with regards to exam results and things like that but um what would if you could go back in time and tell applicant you something um that would have made it a little bit easier what would that be um probably just enjoy and don't stress so much about things like exam results just really um relax and enjoy the whole process I also think I would say just carry on being determined you will get there and it will make you a better vet and a better person at the end of it because you will have worked so hard for it and um, you will know what kind of written determination it takes to be a vet so really don't give up if your grades aren't perfect don't panic there's plenty of other options we can uh, you can look at and you can try and find your way into vet school and you will make your way in there if, if you know you really really want it. Um, and I guess the only other piece of advice I wish I could kind of tell 
myself that's benefited me really is take every opportunity that you're given even if you think it's you know maybe not the right one for you it's something different it's something that puts you a little bit out of your comfort zone those are often the best opportunities where you learn a little bit about more about yourself and what you want to do like I said certainly when I was offered the chance to move into a management position it wasn't what I thought I wanted to do it did push me out of my comfort zone but I feel like I'm a an a better vet because of it and I've learned so much because of it as well definitely I think I think that's such sound advice again particularly at the time of year it is it's sort of interviews are coming to an end and it's sort of offer receiving time and mock exams and sort of perhaps people are starting to realize oh or maybe I'm not going to get the grades that I need or maybe I don't have the offers that I need and so yeah I think that's if you have that determination then it doesn't matter that there, there may just there may be one route that most people take but then there's lots of others too that so many other people yeah. have taken and so you will get there if you if you push and push and remind yourself that you can do it and so I think that's a really lovely note to end on so thank you very very much for joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you thank you for having me it was lovely to speak to you guys too no worries at all and um for all those of you listening we really hope you enjoyed and we'll see you in the next one So we really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found it helpful, then please share it with others that you think will find it useful too. Again, make sure to subscribe to both our podcast and YouTube channel with the same name, So You Want To Be A Vet, to be notified of when our next episode is released. Also, don't forget to leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed. Follow us on Instagram at So You Want To Be A Vet for exclusive quizzes, behind the scenes and updates on all things So You Want To Be A Vet and Vet Mentor. Remember to follow at VetMentor2 to learn more about the opportunities such as our interview skills workshops and our amazing summer school that will help you further your application to that school. If you have any questions or thoughts, then please comment them below the Instagram post for this episode. And if you want to hear us discuss something, then please let us know. You can find our email address in the description. Thanks for listening. Take care.